Welcome back to the Meet Us in Paris podcast, the podcast about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, or what to pack for your next trip. With me today are my co-hosts, Emily and Zen. Hi, ho Hello. hello. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes travel is not just about the destination. It's about being at the right place at the right time. If you visit Black Rock City, Nevada, 49 weeks a year, you would find yourself in the middle of a desert with nothing to see for miles. <laughs> However, if you happen to be there towards the end of August and early September, you would find yourself smack dab in the middle of one of the biggest, craziest festivals in the world, Burning Man. Except this year, of course, where they went virtual, which is a story for maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. Assuming things are back to normal yeah. and we can <laughs> laugh about it at that point. I know. Or, or I, what a waste of a year. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. Well, um, Nevada is not unique. uh, Where, well, not unique in the sense that there's a cool festival that happens there seasonally. Um, So, wherever you go in the world, people love to celebrate. And some of the events they help hold are cultural or religious, some of them art based, and many are about food. So, no matter who or where you are, these festivals are offer something for everyone. So today, right after our sponsor break, we are going to reveal our top three bucket list picks for the biggest and best festivals and events from around the world. But first, a word from our sponsor. Meet Us in Paris is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. Do you have an educational goal? At UCI DCE, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, We've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Dream big, take risks, be amazing. Okay, so my first event slash festival is still on my bucket list, even though I've actually been there already. And it's mostly because I want to go again. And it's going to Japan during Sakura season. Yes. Mm, yeah. On my so, bucket list too. Oh, so, I mean, I've been on it. I've been there. I'm sorry, been on it. I've, <laughs> I've been there. It's usually spring, right? Like March-ish? Yeah. April? So somewhere between uh, mid-March and mid-April is Sakura season. And it just depends on what part of Japan that you're in. So um, Japan is kind of like a leaning slash, like on a keyboard, a forward slash. And so I forget which direction it starts, but I think it starts at the top. um, And then it slowly, um, Sakura season starts first at the top, and then it slowly goes through Japan down to the bottom. So um, from the top to the bottom, it could be about a week or a week and a half difference when the cherry blossoms will actually bloom. And you can find out more information if you just Google like Sakura Season Monitor or something like that. They actually have a web page that monitors when they think peak bloom is going to be. Oh wow! Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. So, quick if, question before we oh, yeah. move further, um, just so I don't sound dumb, <laughs> but is Sakura is that just Japanese for cherry blossom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Just want to verify. 
If you ever, this is a really local thing, but if you're ever driving on the 405, there's a big building um, on the east side that says Sakura Paper, and there's a big yes. cherry blossom I on know it. What you're yeah, yeah. About. Okay. Well, I always yeah. think of that. Yeah, when I drive cool. by it. <laughs> That's a Japanese paper company, too. I, yeah, I assumed so yeah. with everything it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, yeah. So yeah, so I mean, if you go there, it's it's just amazing because I've been to Japan a couple times, and when you're um downtown tokyo you just see a lot of trees they're beautiful and stuff like that but when you're actually there during sakura season it's like oh my gosh that's a cherry blossom and the cherry blossoms that i've typically seen in downtown tokyo are all white and if you go to the parks um there will be at the very beginning you see them bloom um at the end of the week they start to fade and when they start to fade all the cherry blossom uh leaves will fall and it looks like snow. Mm. There's just so many. Just it's just like whenever the wind will cut through the city, you'll just see like the um, the the white petals floating down like snow. It's really really amazing. So I really suggest that you take time to go see the cherry blossoms. Um, and as a side note, if you cannot make it to Japan, um, Japan also in 1912 donated 3,000 cherry trees to. Washington DC. Ah yes, yeah. they have their cherry blossom festival too. And it happens about the same time. So they must be on the same latitude. Yeah, I bet you that's oh, where they did it. Really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So in the United States you can go see a cherry blossom festival, Washington DC. Um the one thing I noticed is I believe the cherry blossoms in Washington DC are pink, not white. I've been there too, but it's been years since I've been there. So they were donated. I think to... they're pink in DC. Yeah, yeah. Um, and have... I'm sorry, I'm looking at a map, and they do look. DC looks pretty even with like smack middle of Japan, like a little north of Tokyo. So. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So, anyways. Cool. Yeah. So, um, if you go there to Washington DC, they have a very similar festival. There's a ton of them on the mall. Um, and it was gifted to the United States by the mayor of Tokyo in 1912. And I'm going to throw out one last piece of trivia was um, during, I think it was World War II. Um, understandably so, Americans were trying, uh, who were really upset about the Japanese, you know, because of World mm-hmm. War II. And so many of them um, were actually cutting down the trees in Washington, D.C. <gasps> yeah, I was going to ask, how did that go? <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And so um for a while the the national parks started instead of calling them Japanese um cherry blossoms, they started calling them oriental cherry blossoms. Oh dear. For a couple of years just <laughs> until the negative sentiment yes. blew yeah. over. Yeah. And then after five years or ten years they re- went back to the yes, they are Japanese um, okay. cherry blossoms. Anyways. Next. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, if we're going in our theoretical, imaginary circle uh, back in our back in our recording studio, then I am up next. I'm going to keep it in Japan um, for Ooh. the Sapporo Snow Festival. Ooh. So I need to look up where Sapporo is in like the Sapporo's on the 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 Big Island north that's like all um all like land right like it's all like wilderness let me confirm i actually don't know in 
Hokkaido? Five seconds. Yeah, it's in Hokkaido. So okay, yeah. It's okay. the, um, I believe it's the capital of Hokkaido or the other. Yes, it's Sapporo is the capital of the mountainous northern Japanese island of Hokkaido. And it's famous for beer, skiing, and the annual snow festival. Cool. Okay, so now that we are geographically oriented, um, so this festival happens every February, lasts for seven days, and it's just, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a snow festival, and in the sense that people, um, artists will create sculptures, um, like huge sculptures, and they'll just be lining the streets. Um, mm. They have like parks that are designated for these sculptures and things like that. And the, um, I mean, like the subject of the sculptures, they kind of vary, but you, like more modernly, they kind of represent uh monumental things of the japanese culture from like the year before so i think hmm. there was one year um in 2004 where there were statues of hideki matsui the baseball player who played for the yankees nice. um just you know japanese representation so there's if you look at pictures it's really beautiful because it's kind of like it feels like christmas even though it's in february but sure. they have like they wrap lights around the trees and everything. So it's all lit up at night too. Um, but yeah, there's like huge sculptures. There's also, they call it Sato Land, um, where it's kind of like an amusement park and you can actually interact with like the snow so, snow sculptures. So there's like the, the equivalent of, I don't even know, what's it called when, I'm thinking of like um, county fairs when you like take a carpet up and you like write it down. The oh oh things. like the slides yeah it's uh, like a little slide uh, yeah yes. the, well now little the slides potato little. stacks <laughs> the potato stack slides yes yes so they have that but like as a snow sculpture and then you can like go down like rock up and then ride the potato sack equivalent down <laughs> wow <laughs> um, but it's really beautiful and then even in the streets like um the little the center that you know that strip of land that will divide like one cars going one way and cars going the other way they'll like have ice sculptures on that little divider wow i don't know why i keep using little it's the street <laughs> divider mm-hmm. um but yeah so some trivia is that this festival became became a thing back in 1950 and it was just a one-day thing when a few local high school students built six i don't know why six six snow statues in the odori park and then they kind of just kept building on that um it doesn't really say what those i get i'm sure we can look up what those they didn't have were. enough snow for um, seven <laughs> That's right. yeah. Sorry, when did you say when they first started doing that? It was 1950. Okay. Okay. Yes. So um, that's how it started. And then the festival itself, like I said, it lasts seven days and it goes like goes as in it stays lit up until like midnight almost every single day. Um, so it's definitely like you can go there at any time of the day within those seven days and enjoy the art and slide down the ice slide. It's cool. And there's this huge, um, I don't, it's like 
an actual, I don't know if you can go inside of it, but it looks like an actual building that's like the size, the same size as the building that's surrounding it. And it's all made of snow and ice, um, which is really fascinating. And there's also like concerts and like food, of course, and everything happening around it. I want to go. Snow festivals just sound so much fun, but I got. I wonder if you, when you actually make it there, would you go? Why did I decide on this? It's so freezing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold. <laughs> uh, How no, about you, Kristen? Cool. All yeah. right. Well, it's we're going to stay in Asia. Cool. Um, I actually I saw this years ago on like Instagram, and I was like, "Is that real?" And it totally is, and it's. T- Totally on my bucket list. Um, a lot of people have probably heard of Diwali, which is um, a Hindu celebration of lights. And it, it tends to happen. It, it's usually around like our um, Halloween time. I think it does fluctuate on like a different calendar. But anyways, there is a Nepali um, version. They call it Tihar. And it's a celebration of lights. So there's a lot of like all night long, you leave lights on and and they have a lot of different festival days. So the Nepali version, they have a five day um, festival and each day they celebrate something different. And I specifically must go to day two because this is the dog Tihar. And what they do is they offer garlands and food to dogs and acknowledge the cherished relationship between humans and dogs. So dogs are just basically revered that whole day given food. They like um, sometimes put like colors on them and garlands and you just spend the day with dogs. (laughs) That's what it looks like to me. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) I know. And I always think about how fabulous that is. And like, it seems like in America, you know, we're a pretty dog culture. Like, why have we not come up with some equivalent right? of this yet? Yeah, I, I know there are some churches that will like bless your pets and things like that, but I'm like, it's simply not enough. We need like a whole all day festival like to worship our dogs because they are so cute <laughs> and sweet. So I, that's a real thing that happens um, not only in Nepal, but with the Nepalese um, communities like in India. I think it's where it's most um celebrated and um i saw it on instagram and i was like that is something i need to go to um there are other days they they celebrate um let's see day one they celebrate like crows and ravens it symbolizes sadness and grief in hinduism and devotees believe that the offerings will help avert grief and death in their homes Hmm. um day three is a worship of the cow Day four, there are different pujas. So it looks like mainly ox is worshipped by giving different food. And day five is observed by sisters applying tilaka on their foreheads to their brothers to thank them for protection. So clearly day two is the (laughs) standout winner for me. Yes. Um, (laughs) So this festival of the dogs that happens in <clears throat> Nepal. So that is something I need to make it to. That's my number one. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Um, I guess I was trying to think. So there's two that. Oh, so have you guys? I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Is called Sankran. Sankran. I wish Lolita was here. 
Um, she is Thai. Mm-hmm. So if you see every once in a while, you will see um, video in Thailand. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, well, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people on the street, all with squirt guns. Huh. Have you like seen Like super this? soakers? Like super soakers, <laughs> hand, uh, hand, little tiny water pistols, buckets of water, and they're all on the streets in a big celebration, and everyone is pouring water on top of each other. And this happens usually some mid-April, and I think there's, I think April is like a common theme. It's something yeah, about I think- spring, <laughs> yes. Except yours, of course, during the winter, and they all run around and they just squirt each other with squirt guns, nice, for, uh, <laughs> nonstop for yeah, like for seven days in the row. And like the streets are just filled with people and there's no cars moving or anything. And they are just shooting each other back and, you know, and pouring water on top of each other. But it's not about, it's not, um, it's not actually sponsored by Super Soaker. The, <laughs> <laughs> however, they should become a, um, it's actually kind of a whole, it's a holy festival. And it is a celebration of spring. And it, um, my understanding, my lack of or lack of understanding is, um, the they believe, you know, the thought is that you use water to cleanse yourself. Okay, and it started out that you would pour water on Buddha, um, like a fragrant water on top of the Buddha, and on images or actually little statues, and it is a cleansing thing, which slowly transformed into squirt guns and a big fe- you know a big exciting festival so that is the one that i really want to see so i mean like take a look of it um just google i'll spell it s-o-n-g-k-r-a-n i've actually known um brett actually was went to it as well oh wow, really yeah and he just has some amazing photographs of um getting all all oh, wet but the one thing is, if you do go, you got to make sure that you realize this is a holy festival. So if you um, half a million tourists from around the world come to see this. And um, so you had to be very respectful. So guys, keep your shirt on mm. and women, no bikinis on the street. So or swimsuits. It. It's, it's something that you can't come fully dressed. And I hear it's blazing hot. It's one of those it's part of the mm. year in Thailand ah. where it's blazing hot and it's humid. So they throw more water on the street to add to the humidity. So, oh, dear. <laughs> nice. Is it in certain parts of Thailand or is it just like everywhere and anywhere? You know, apparently it is uh, all um, it's it's throughout Thailand. And um, it even takes place. Oh gosh, uh, I was going to say Burma. It's not Burma. Miramar, mm. parts of Miramar as well. So it's it's throughout the whole country. Throughout the whole country. So got it. Yeah, very fun. Yeah, take a look. The pictures are just really fun, or videos are really fun to seeing all the people just celebrating and having a wonderful time. Looks like so. a happy time for sure. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm going to take it to Europe now. Nice. So this is, um, it's midsummer in Sweden 
And I've never seen the Midsummer movie. I've like, <laughs> heard like, things I'm about too it. scared. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know what to expect, so I'm just not going to risk it. Uh, but whatever that movie may show, I d- didn't know Midsummer was a thing until I'm one of my closest friends that I met in college, she is half Swedish. And so every summer she'd go back and she'd celebrate Midsummer. And I'd always hear these amazing wow. stories. Um, so I just want to experience that it's midsummer. It's the Friday between June 19th and the 25th. It's celebrating the, um, summer solstice. So it's the longest day of the year and the Swedes just spend it outside celebrating. Like they eat lots of good food. There's just a lot of dancing and, um, all the pictures that I've seen, even like the stories that my friend has told me, it somehow always takes place. It looks like it's always like this like country field, like next to water. And it's just so like outdoorsy and like cozy kind of. Uh, and I wish, I just want to know what that's like, especially like if you're celebrating from day to night on the longest day of the year, like just what goes into that. Cause it's like, they're always celebrating constantly. Um, so I just want to know what that's like. And it's, Swedish um they it's every like town or village has their own kind of take on it so there's not like a set type of celebration there's just always food music um and drinking of course but the how it started some history behind it um is that it was originally developed from a Christian holiday um but they kind of took that away and just made it like the summer solstice celebration. Um, and the, there's always this maypole. <laughs> I don't, is that like a maypole? That's, a, that's the maypole. Yeah. <laughs> there's always yeah. a maypole that people are like dancing around. Um, it's always the center of the festivities and it actually originated in Germany. Um, but it's meant to celebrate fertility. So, I mean, you can make it celebrate, you can represent it as any way as you want, Uh, but it's always decorated with green garlands and flowers. And it just seems like so like summer, like just like summer fun. You just eat and like dance in the grass and it just seems really fun. (laughs) That is all. It sounds like a hippie's dream. It really does. (laughs) AKA my dream. (laughs) I'm down for that. I go. Have you guys, as a side note, have you guys have ever seen? There's a series of commercials with the actors Peter Stormar, who talks about Swedish Week and Swedish things. No. So just Google Volvo. I don't know why Volvo sponsored this, but Volvo <laughs> Swedish Week and then Peter Stormar, and he acts out some very very typical Swedish traditions. And he just, but he makes them really, really funny. So there's like, um, I mean, he's, he should be a comedian, not just a bad guy in movies. But, um, <laughs> there's this one scene where he talks about Fika and Fika oh, is yes. a, have you, have you seen it or you're familiar? No, with Fika? I'm familiar with Fika. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Fika is essentially, I think it's like around 10 o'clock where you stop whatever you're doing and you take a short break and have coffee with your friends. Well, I think they call any little short break yes. a Fika. Any okay. short coffee break where you sit down yeah. and drink coffee is Fika. And like have little the little cookies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But apparently, I think in Sweden, there's a, actually a very specific time, like 10 a.m. in the morning. 
So it's actually timed. So like there's this period of time that's very typical. But anyways, go watch those. Oh, uh, that was who was that was, that you, was Emily, Emily, right? Was, OK. Yeah. Um, so my next one's actually in North America and in one of my favorite cities that I think is totally underrated. And that is Montreal. Um, people don't realize how much Montreal has contributed to the world. Um, I mean, first of all, Cirque du Soleil is from Montreal. Um, they have a huge jazz scene there um, and Arcade Fires from Montreal. Um, oh, cool. But they have probably, I think it literally is the largest international comedy festival in the world. And it's called Just for Laughs. And it has been around since 1983. Um, and it goes on for about a week i think um and on top of just like i mean comics play everywhere all the time they do a lot of like you know street fair and fun activities and things and pretty much every comedian that you know has performed or gotten their start at just for laughs so people like daniel tosh and um jerry seinfeld and john cleese like all these people have performed at just for laughs and um, I love me some stand-up comedy and it just seems like it would be such a fun like thing to do like everything's fun outdoors you listen to comedy who doesn't love comedy especially this day and age um, and Montreal's a great little place for it too super cute so that is something that I remember watching um, one of Daniel Tosh's first sets at the Just for Laughs and thinking what is this thing and looking it up and seeing that this festival existed and Definitely was something on my list to see. And it's, you know, kind of close and convenient for us, relatively speaking, um, to get to. So that's mine. And it happens every July in Montreal. Ah, a summer so festival. It's been going on for 37 years. Well, I'm needing a reason to go to Montreal. Not, no, I don't need a reason to go. I don't need a reason. You don't to go. I've need been a reason. It's to go. great. But it, it, it's, it's another reason to go. I mean, it's one of those yes. places like, oh, I should go. And it's just like, I just never make it there. So it's on my, on my short list. Yeah. So. Well, if you go in July, you might be able to catch the Just for Laughs, a.k.a. Juste pour rire Festival. <laughs> I heard humor doesn't translate, though. Well, a lot of them, I can, but they they do English and French um, sets. So So you'll be okay. Yeah. Canada as a whole, and especially in Montreal, they are so, in my experience, almost perfectly bilingual. Anywhere you go, people will greet you with bonjour, hello. And however you respond, what language you choose is how they'll speak to you. Um, So pretty much everything that happens there is always bilingual. Do they have a problem if you speak English or French? I, I have, I have not come across that, but I know there is, um, there are some movements. Um, it, you know, there are some separatist movements in Montreal. There are even some people who want like Quebec to <laughs> secede from Canada. There's always someone. Um, so I think there are some people that kind of feel like you know French should be dominant. But in my experience, I've never once felt treated rudely or annoyed that I was speaking English or anything. Everyone seems very well acquainted with the reality of just being a bilingual province. Cool. Yeah. Very welcoming place in my experience. Okay. I am going to throw out something that I actually, once again, here's another one I've been to, but it's so charming and I think no one's 
really probably has heard of this that I want to throw it out. It's something called the Circleville Pumpkin Pumpkin Show. And what this is, is um, in Circleville, Ohio, it's a very, very small town. Um, it's one of those towns that you see on those television shows that is essentially the equivalent of Mayberry. Um, it's just a little sweet town, um, and it has four seasons, and it's 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 just uh, you know so it's it's one of those cities that you see fall and you have to see summer, you see winter, and they're very unique seasons. But that's not what I want to talk about. Is I want to talk about their um, pumpkin show. Every year since 1903, with the exception of last year, or this year, I'm sorry, this year because of COVID, and a short amount of time, I think it was, oh, another in, another um, pandemic, an influenza outbreak in 1918 and 1919, uh, they have been show, having this pumpkin festival for over 100 years. And it's kind of like a county fair where they have, like, the pumpkin queen... <laughs> pumpkin queen pumpkin <laughs> princess or pumpkin and um they you know they do that type of celebration they have carnival rides out there and they sell everything that is pumpkin food wise so you can get um they had the world's biggest pumpkin pie and i don't know how they is this, this where thing. pumpkin spice lattes originated from and starbucks just like shanghai them <laughs> who the heck knows maybe <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it but. well it, it's I I just remember going into these little bakeries that are probably forty feet by twenty feet wide, and somehow this forty feet by twenty feet wide bakery has a ten foot pumpkin pie in the window, so it's taking up like one quarter of the floor space of their little bakery. Um, they sell things like pumpkin hamburgers, which sounds terrible, but it's actually really good. So it's just really neat to go see this really beautiful, small, charming city where lots of people, um, you know, just come out and enjoy themselves and eat themselves to death and <laughs> um, and 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 celebrate um, the harvest of pumpkins. Nice. What is a pumpkin hamburger? Is the pumpkin just <laughs> yeah. infused in like the bun, or is there like a pumpkin slice in the burger? I I want yeah. to know. <laughs> So, I'm a little bit unclear about what I my understanding is. Like when you make a pumpkin pie, it's actually the rind of the pumpkin, right? It's not the guts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So they take essentially whatever they use to make a pumpkin pie, and they mix that in with the hamburger meat, and then they fry it like a typical hamburger. So it is mm. beef that has a pumpkin infusion flavor on it in it. And it's really good. Um, it just has a kind of a really, I don't know how to, well, it has, it has a pumpkin flavor to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it sounds a little like salty, sweet, tastes like fall burger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds so. good. Okay. I'm glad I, I now know. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay um i don't really know what my third choice is so i was looking um zen sent a couple of like different links of just like festivals around the world so i was looking on those to see and so i came across carnival 
in Rio, mm-hmm. which yeah. I've always like thought it was cool. I don't know now, like looking when I was looking at the articles and like looking at the pictures, I'm like, those people are very close together. I don't know. <laughs> Where are their masks? Like, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I was like, why am I like this? I'm like uncomfortable looking at people like this close together with like no clothes on. Um, so there is Carnival, which has been interesting or I w- I've been interested in it in the past, but I think I'll actually like change. I'm going to go with Glastonbury Festival in Edinburgh just because I feel like a music festival is more my vibe than like the big carnival shenanigans <laughs> shenanigans yeah so what glastonbury is is it's a huge uh, music festival performing arts festival in edinburgh it's a five-day um ordeal and it basically it takes oh questionable why is it that one i'm like questioning my fa- i'm fact checking myself now because on one article it said it was in edinburgh and then this new article it says it's in somerset so I'm going to go with Somerset. So please rich redact my Edinburgh. Okay. So this takes place in Somerset and it's just a huge music festival, um, which is always fun. I'm listening to live music in the open air, but in addition to the music, there's also like comedy tents, there's theater that's happening. There's like a circus cabaret. There's a ton of different arts things happening all around. So there's like something in it for everyone, which is always fun. Um, it is a major event in British culture and I love British things. So, um, that's always fun. Um, but the way it started, I was interested in the history just because, um, because it's such a big piece of like British culture. I was wondering how it started and it started back in 1970 by a man i don't know if he's like well known now as just the organizer of the first glastonbury festival but um his name is michael evis i think and he basically wanted to host a concert his own open air concert after seeing led zeppelin headline this other concert um so he just just (laughs) michael guy just decided like i'm gonna put together my own open air concert Um, and he actually, uh, it used to be called the Pilton pop folk and blues festival. Um, interesting. Lots of, that's a mouthful to say. Um, but (laughs) the year afterwards, they changed it to the Glastonbury free festival. So it actually used to be free. It was completely paid by sponsors at the time. Um, tickets now i can only imagine like a festival this big i don't know how much it costs um i I can only imagine costs a lot Um, (laughs) but it's just um like all fun open air how many times can i say open air um it's an annual festival that happens and it's like a pop and rock with lots of arts and food and fun for five days straight oh and it happens in the summer in june except not it's there <laughs> it's the uk coachella yes it really is oh yeah sorry yeah. did you say when it started <laughs> it started in 1970 so after woodstock yes okay yes i just wanted to see who established it first <laughs> just kidding <laughs> it's fair that's, that's a fair question um, but yeah, this year they're doing a virtual, virtual festival as many festivals have turned. I think. Uh, 
does that work? <laughs> no. Um, branching off, this is a little bit off topic, but there is one, um, I think it was Outside Lands that usually happens in San Francisco. Their virtual version of it this year was called Inside Lands. <laughs> that was funny. Clever. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if you don't laugh, you'll cry. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything turned virtual. Yep. So I, I actually, I also had a music festival. So I'm going to pivot off of that since we just did one. And um, one thing that's becoming more and more popular in the United States, but I would like to see in its own naissance, um, would be the Day of the Dead um, in mm. Mexico. And I actually, so this this happens in November. Um but I, so I was in Mexico City. I went in November and it was shortly after the Day of the Dead. So I didn't see anything necessarily, but all of their decorations were still up. So they would have like lining the main boulevards. They had huge like the sugar schools that had been decorated by different companies or organizations. So everyone kind of like adopted one. And I could just see the traces of the festival, like the Zocalo was like totally decked out with um, decorations and flowers and things. And I could just tell that it had been such a great celebration. Uh, and it's so colorful. And it's something that I would love to see done um, in Mexico City. I think that's where kind of the biggest celebration of it is. Um, some people erroneously equate Day of the Dead to like a Mexican version of Halloween, which is not at all the case. I think um, the movie Coco has helped dispel that for a lot of yes. people. <laughs> yes. Um, you actually devote a day to cleaning your family's graves and decorating them with candles and flowers, um, the ofrendas, um, having picnics and things. But um, the decorations that go up and the colors and, and how much the, the town like seems to, the Mexico City seems to come alive, it'd be a really neat thing to see in person. Um, so I caught basically the very tail end of it, a.k.a. the scraps of what was left <laughs> when I was there. It wasn't planned. It was a work trip. And I just like happened to be there right afterwards. And I was like, that's a shame. This didn't happen just a week sooner. <sighs> is, it, so. is it just the one day? I'm, I'm, that sounds dumb. It's called Day of the Dead. So I'm assuming it's just it's the one a day. It's <laughs> supposed to week of the dead. <laughs> so I haven't looked this up. So someone will, can probably correct me. But it seems like it's like a few day festival. But it may be like, you know, gearing up for like it. Like, up, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like creating the ofrendas and, and all that stuff. And then there's one day that's like the actual thing. But um, for instance, I think for, I don't know if this, what I'm looking at is for 2020. But the dates of the festival are listed from October 31st to November 2nd. So it is at least like a few day festival. But probably the Dia de los Muertos itself is like the one specific day. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it just happens I, to be November 2nd this year. Oh, then. Yeah. I, I don't really know the calendar of like how, if, if it's always November 2nd or if it's like, you know, certain days after whatever, or I'm not sure. Yeah. So. I, lots of them are like based off things like what, where the sun is in the sky and that type of stuff. Solar so calendars consistent. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, I know, I mean, they call November 1st All Souls Day. 
Uh-huh. And that's a consistent, but I mean, that's like on our calendar. So I don't oh, know if that's the same, like in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's consistent elsewhere, but um, anyways, it's definitely, you know, always straddling like the October, November, I think. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yes. I think so. watching Coco, I wanted to also oh. like experience that. That movie was so beautiful. It really was. Just watching. I mean, and that's almost what I felt like in Mexico City. Like those kinds of colors and illustrations like that was all over the city. It was so beautiful. You know, when my wife and daughter wanted to watch Coco and I I was like, "Uh, I'm not sure if I really want to watch this. And because I didn't I didn't see the commercial and I was like, "Okay, but I'll sit down as a family. And it turned out to be one of the best movies I've ever seen. Right? I, too, didn't necessarily have high expectations for it. It wasn't like... I saw the trailers, and I, it just didn't seem like something I'd be interested in. So I didn't see it till I think it hit Netflix, I think. And I was just like, oh, I'm, like, doing laundry. I'll just watch it. And I cried. I was like... Aww. I did not expect it to hit me that hard. It had some very deep, dark themes. Right? <laughs> Price, even for Disney, I was like, "Oh my!" Uh, well, they never, ca- they didn't capture it in the commercials properly. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Probably that was on purpose. Yeah, um, but it was done beautifully, and it was done well. And it, it's actually, it's so, it's so cute. I love how they, they kind of mirror the whole crossing over as like the airport with the customs so and like your passport and stuff like that. It was super cute. Yes. Yeah, very relatable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, any last, any honorable mentions of seasonal festivals we want to talk about? Not talk about, but just honorably mention. Well, I will you- say the one music festival I was looking at, um, it's called Rhythm and Vines, and it's in New Zealand. And Ooh. what is so special about this one is that it happens over New Year's. Um, so the idea, first of all, you're listening to great bands, and then the idea is kind of that you see the first sunrise in the world, almost. I know New Zealand's not the... There's like an there's a few islands that come first, but one of the first sunrises of like the new year while you're like at this festival, which, you know, That's everyone's like, cool. you know, New Year's, you have so much pressure to do something fun. Go to a music festival. <laughs> Perfect. Well, well, we could do another podcast. I mean, there's so many festivals. There are. Out there. All right. Uh, yes. I'll, but I'll just I'm going to throw out two, but I'll go into them in detail in the future is just because they're so unusual. Have you guys heard of the Kanamara Matsuri Festival? No. No. So another <laughs> Japanese festival, but it is, I don't know the full story, but it's a celebration of uh, men's peepees. <laughs> Have you seen? It's the craziest thing. They actually carry big phalluses through the streets. Oh, man. That's and, still you know, happening? Yeah, it's still happening. These huge, huge floats and carnivals. It's a big festival. The women of Japan have not mutinied against this yet? I, I don't know. It just sounds so odd. And I've only seen photographs and stuff like that. It's just like, it's one of those things. It's like, I got to learn more and find out what this is all about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think and I then, could pass. And and the I think it's called Holly. Holly? Holly? Um, H-A-L-I? I think it's Holly. Holy. The Indian it's festival. It's, it's with holy. the. Yeah. It's like the colorful. Um, the colored powder. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. But we'll have to talk about those things in a, maybe another podcast. 
Okay, the one, um, I don't know what it's called, but I was looking at festivals, obviously, and I think it's, it's, it takes place in Nara, Japan, and it's, uh, I forget, like, the origins of it, but basically, they, at night, this one night, once a year, or twice a year, I think, I don't know, but um, they will light. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like speaking from memory, I so I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they'll light this one mountain. Um, they'll burn all the grass on the mountain, and at night. And so, and it's like this thing that they do once or twice a year. Uh, we'll verify later. But uh, yeah, they they burn all the grass on this mountain, and it ends with fireworks. Huh. Very Whoa. strange. That's like NorCal without the fireworks. I know, <laughs> but it's like a happy thing for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not an accident. Yeah. It's not a gender reveal. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Thank you for the honorable mentions. Um, yeah. So these are our top three and a couple other ones um, that we have on our bucket list uh, for festivals to see or to see again around the world. And we would like to know what you guys think. Um, Let us know on our social media channels and you can find on also on our social media channels, you can find more photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles and more. Meet us in Paris is the university of California, Irvine division of continuing education production. If you need a career boost, looking to increase your workplace knowledge, or seeking a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu for their professional courses. Thanks again for tuning in. Bye! Bye.